because we're studying through the book of Romans, we're coming right near to the end, and uh, it's a fun book. I've been really challenged by this book, learning about Paul. I've been, I don't know, I've been, I've been living with Paul for the last several months and finding out exactly what's in his heart and his, what he's passionate about. And I've been enjoying the, uh, the challenges that he faced, and today he's got a very interesting challenge he's gonna be, we're going to be looking at today. My two points are out of actually Proverbs 16. So I'm actually going to be going back and forth through a lot of different scriptures. So you can turn to Romans 15. But the two points I have today are Proverbs 16. It says, in his heart a man plans his ways. But can anyone finish that? But the Lord directs his steps. In other words, we plan what we think we need to do in the future or you know, down the road. But it's still God who will intervene to help us accomplish what it is on his heart. Uh, have you ever seen the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? I mean, it's kind of old now. There's only one quote that I remember in that movie, and it, it kind of applies today. It's a little strange, but the, the mother is talking to the daughter who's confused about some things in the relationship, and the, mother tells, the, the, the daughter says to the mother, well, you know, the man is the head of the house. And the mother says, true, but the wife is the neck, and she turns the head wherever she wants it to go. <laughs> I remember that because it struck me. Sometimes, you know, in our life, we plan where we're going to go, but it's God that actually directs where he'd like us to go. So there's sometimes a lot of disappointments in life that our plans don't work out, but as we're going to see through this particular chapter, uh, that's okay if our plans don't succeed. Because when we trust ourselves into God's hands, he's the one that directs our steps. He's the one that accomplishes in our life the things that he has in mind to do. And it's always better. Many times in my life, I have offered some plans to God. Things that I would like to do or things I would like him to do. And he says, appreciate your initiative, but I've got some other plans for you. I don't know how many times I've applied for different jobs I thought would be perfect for me. None of them worked out. And then out of the blue, something comes and is exactly right. So I, I really appreciate the fact that God um, is kind to me and accepts my, uh, my uh, suggestions, but that in the end, he has his way. Because my whole family is going to be impacted, right? And anything that I decide to do, my whole family will pay the price for that decision, for good or for bad. So in the book of Romans, we're looking at chapter 15, the last part of chapter 15, and into 16, um, these two chapters wrap up Paul's letter to the church in Rome. He hasn't been there. He knows a lot of the people that, that are there, because in chapter 16, uh, we're going to look at next week, he actually names 30 different people that he wants to send greetings to, and a lot of them have impacted his life. He's met them in Ephesus, and in Corinth, and Jerusalem, and other places. Now they're gathering as a church in Rome, and he's kind of just really excited about being there with him. So uh, we'll look at some final instructions in the next week, some heartfelt greetings, and there's a surprise verse in chapter 16 that we'll leave as a mystery today. So uh, the book of Romans was written in the city of Corinth in Greece around 57 AD, and he had written previously uh, letters to Corinth, two letters. One was written when he was in Ephesus to encourage the church in Corinth, and then when he was in uh, ten years later, uh, sorry, uh, when he was in Macedonia, just north of Greece. When I'm reading through these letters of Paul to the Romans, I'm getting a hist uh, geography lesson 
Because I'm looking up, where is Macedonia? And where is Ionia? And where is, uh, are these churches he's talking about? So um, in ver- chapter 15, verse 22, it says, uh, In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in these places. These places he's referring to is all throughout Asia Minor. I don't know, dozens of cities he's been in. I don't even know if we have a record of all the different places he actually preached and took the gospel to. But that was his job, to go to the, uh, the unknown places, the unevangelized places. He, he was the apostle to the Gentiles, meaning I'm going to go wherever the gospel isn't. I want to be the first one to bring the message. So in this chapter we're going to read, uh, his heart is to end up in Spain. For a long time, he's wanted to go to Spain. And so now he's making his plans. My ambition has always, uh, uh, he says, uh, I've now finished my work in these regions, verse 23, and after all these long years of waiting, I'm eager to visit you. I'm planning to go to Spain. And when I do, I will stop off in Rome. And after I've enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, uh, you can provide for my journey. It's like, I'm going to hang out with you guys, and then I expect you to buy my train ticket to Spain uh, because I, I, I don't actually have a job uh, or any money. Um, and he says, uh, <clears throat> verse 25, but before I come, I have to go to Jerusalem and take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. And they are glad to do this because they feel they owe a bit of debt to them since the Gentiles receive the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem. They feel the least they can do is return um, help to them financially. So as soon as I have delivered the money, completed this good deed of theirs, I will come and see you on my way to Spain. And I'm sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to join me in my struggle by praying for, to God for me, and do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. Then, by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart and will be an encouragement to one another. And now may God, who gives us this peace, be with you all. Amen. I'm not quite sure why he said amen, but maybe it's like, may it be so. It wasn't really a prayer. It was more of a, yes, I'm, I'm counting on God to come through with all these things I've just said. So he does talk about finishing his work in these regions, and after these long years of waiting, I'm eager to visit you. We have three different missionary journeys that Paul had been on. Now he's ending up in Jerusalem, and uh, then he wants to go to Spain. Now, Spain at this time was called Hispania. It was full of Roman, um, uh, uh, Roman regions and districts. So as he spoke Latin and was a Roman citizen, he had the freedom to travel uh, throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, it, it was originally uh, settled by the Phoenicians and Greeks, the seafaring people all along the coast. There were trading routes. Later on, the the Germanic peoples were going to come down, and then it was going to become Muslim, all that kind of stuff. But right now, there's a window of opportunity where the gospel can be taken without impediment. And, and Paul could just travel the Roman roads and bring the gospel where it hadn't yet been preached. And then he says in verse 25, he says, I have to go to Jerusalem to take this gift to believers there. 
He talks about the believers in Macedonia and Achaia being grateful. It's like Jerusalem church is where the gospel started, and it was their sacrifice that enabled the gospel to be taken to all the known world. And they're grateful that they have heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, so that um, they can have life in Christ and be born again and experience the life that God had intended. So the least we can do, it says, is we've got to take a collection up. We're not hard done by where we are, but they are. They're being persecuted. They're being uh, kept out of jobs. They're being uh, thrown in jail and arrested because the Jewish people don't want a new religion uh, infecting their society. But you can't keep the Spirit of God down. You can't thwart the plans of God. But the people were paying a price back home in Jerusalem. So let's send the money. And Paul is happy to take it. Um, the challenge in this particular passage, knowing that he's going to go to Jerusalem, uh, a chapter, um, er, uh, sorry, in the book of Acts, we have a parallel kind of stories. The book of Acts talks about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We call it the Acts of the Apostles, taking the gospel, uh, Philip, into uh, Samaria, and uh, Paul and Silas traveling. It's a record of, of how the gospel was taking around. But at the same time, while Acts is describing what happened when in the timeline, Romans is uh, Paul writing a letter while he's on these missionary journeys. So the book of Acts says that uh, in chapter 21, verse 4, on one of their journeys, uh, it says, we found disciples and we stayed there for seven days. And they told Paul through the Spirit, do not go up to Jerusalem. Stay, stay away from Jerusalem. Stay far away because what's going to happen uh, is dangerous to, to, to Paul. And, and a few verses later in Acts 21, and uh, they said, now when we heard these things, a different location, a different town, a different church, both we and those from that place pled with him not to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem um, was just a, a, a sense of danger. And they cared about Paul. They didn't want him to be beaten again, stoned again, jailed again. It's like, Paul, how many times are you going to have to face this kind of punishment? It's hard to understand, though, Paul ignoring the advice of those who loved him and who spoke to him. It says inspired by the Spirit of God. I mean, the money could have been sent by someone else. Paul didn't have to take it. Uh, reports of all of his activities throughout the area could have been given by another person, could have written it down and handed it into the council at Jerusalem. Somehow he was like, I, I'm compelled to go. In fact, he says in Romans 15, 30, brothers and sisters, um, you know, uh, in the name of the Lord, join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea those who refuse to obey God. He says uh, in Acts 20, jumping back one book earlier, and I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work of side to me by the, the Lord Jesus and the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So I think uh, the Spirit was warning him about what's going to happen in Jerusalem. The Spirit warned others about what was going to happen in Jerusalem and said, Paul, don't go. You know, we need you. You're, you're essential and integral to the gospel message being preached around the world. Yet still, he says, I, I, I got to go. 
I, I don't have any choice. He figures he can make a pit stop in Jerusalem, head over to Rome for a meet and greet, and then mosey on to Spain. But God had other plans. He, God didn't play by Paul's playbook. He decided to do things a little differently. So when he does, does eventually end up in Jerusalem, he hands the money over to the, the, to the council there, the churches, and they distribute it to the poor. Then he takes up some friends and he goes to Jerusalem, into the temple. And while he's there, people recognize him. His enemies recognize him. They start yelling at him. They drag him out of the temple. And the scriptures say that the doors of the temple were closed. I guess they didn't want to see what was about to happen. Because they started beating Paul um, to death was the, was the goal. They, wanted to, they finally got this guy. They're finally going to be able to kill him, get rid of him, stop the influence. And just as they're beating him um, nearly to death, a garrison of Roman soldiers shows up and take him away, um, take him off to um, safety, I guess, in a jail, and say, what's going on? Who are you that you would cause an uproar in the whole city? He says, I'm just, you know, a humble servant of God. While in prison... And this is my, so in his heart, a man plans his ways, is my first point. And, and I, are you a, a planning person? Do you like to make goals? My wife is more of a goal-oriented person. We need to make some goals in our life, and we need, we're going to accomplish. I'm more like, ah, let's see what God's going to do. And uh, I, I'm more, because every time I make plans, it seems like God changes them. But, you know, there's different kinds of goals and plans and financial and retirement and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I just, I don't know what God has next for me. It's just hard to know sometimes. I, never, I would never have guessed I would end up here a year ago. It, but this is what God had in mind, and he was preparing me for this place and preparing you for me. Like, you've got a lot of preparing to do for me, so pray for me. So while he was in prison, and my point number two is the Lord directs his steps. And I know I'm talking about Paul here, but I'm actually talking about you. Because this verse is, uh, so many times we get frustrated with the plans. Some, something happens. There's a huge bill that comes and wipes out our savings. There's some health issues come in. There's uh, any number of things can happen. But if our eyes are on accomplishing our goals and our plans instead of on Christ who directs our steps, we're always going to be angry and upset and confused. So while he was in prison... It says in Acts 23, 11, the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, now you must also bear witness to me in Rome. While he was in prison, and, and it's really how God works, a nephew of his hears a bunch of people plotting to murder Paul. If he ever leave, They were going to request another audience with Paul, with the Sanhedrin. And while he is being transported from the garrison to the Sanhedrin, they were going to attack him and murder him. I mean, the people had sworn uh, to, they would kill themselves if they couldn't kill Paul. That's how serious it was. And his nephew hears about it, goes and tells the prison people, and they say, you know what? We're done with this. Let's send him off to Caesarea. So <laughs> he gets free travel all the time. I mean, the Romans get to, you know, take him and food, 
caravans. He's got like a thousand soldiers behind him in case they attack. He's like, wow, what an entourage. I just got my own, I got my own garrison of soldiers. And I, you know, the centurion's going, who are you? Like that you caused this much trouble. So he's sent off to, to a Caesarea uh, jail where he starts to bear witness of Jesus Christ to the, the, the region uh, governors of the area. And he's delayed there for a couple of years. Finally, he says, you know, I'm done with this. This is it's unnecessary. As a Roman citizen, I want to find, I want to talk to Caesar himself. I'm like, it's been nice being with you guys, but this has to end. Send me to Rome. I want to talk to Caesar. So they, when you appeal to Caesar, there's nothing more that can happen. So he gets another free trip on the ocean, across the Mediterranean. Of course, there's a few problems in between that you can look at in the book of Acts. I think like storms and floating at sea for days and all that kind of stuff. Snakes biting people. It's a really intriguing story. But he ends up in Rome as he wanted to. He had a heart for what to do, but God had to direct his steps. And it wasn't an easy plan that God had for, for Paul. There's mystery with God. We can't always explain or understand exactly what he's up to. We just have to trust that he knows what he's doing. Why did God not allow me to go to the, I applied for a church in Parksville. It would have been a beautiful, I mean, resort, summer vacations, beach, lots of stuff. I was shortlisted, on the, you know, like out of two people, they picked someone else. They went, God, like, really? It would have been a nice place. But uh, that wasn't what God had planned. He had other plans for me. And, and same with Paul. He has plans, and we don't always get to know the reason why. We don't get to know the, the schedule, the time frame, all the details of what God has planned for us. We just have to trust that he knows what he's doing. There's part of God that will always remain a mystery. And as people, we can't truly understand all of God. Like, really, our minds cannot comprehend God. All we can understand is what he reveals to us. As people, he knows what we can handle. And he, so all throughout the book of Exodus, uh, time after time after time, God starts to reveal to his people who he is. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm Jehovah Rophe. I'm Jehovah uh, Shekinu. I'm the God of glory, God of protection, the God who provides, the God of healing. They didn't know. They just knew that there was a God. And so he starts to reveal character traits and uh, priorities and values. Here, let me just show you what I'm, what I'm all about. I'm going to give you 10 commandments, and this is kind of the foundation of every society. This is what I value. This is what's important. So God reveals to his people who he is along the way, bit by bit. There's mystery with Christ. I mean, how can Jesus be fully man and fully God? I don't know. Maybe we'll get to figure that out one day. What about the Trinity? How do you explain the Trinity? I mean, the Trinity is a is a stumbling block for a lot of religions. I thought you were monotheistic. I thought you worshiped one God. Yeah, we do, but there's three. I mean, well, no, I'm like, there's one God, but there's three of them. No, not three of them. They're kind of all the same, kind of like an egg, you know, the yolk and the, the shell and, the, and the, the white, you know, three in one, like, you know, like water. I mean, it could be, could be solid and, and a gas and a liquid. Three things in one. It's like all we can do is have metaphors, <laughs> but there's a mystery about the Trinity. There's a mystery about Christ. There's a mystery about God. And in the, in the New Testament, mystery is not really defined as unknowable things. 
Mystery is defined as not yet revealed things. Truth that we're not ready to receive yet. Truth that he will explain along the way. Colossians 1, uh, 25 to 27, uh, Paul writes to the church in Colossae. Um, he is to preach the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. And God did this because he wanted you Gentiles to understand his wonderful and glorious mystery. And the mystery is this, that Christ lives in you and that he is your hope of sharing God's glory. The Apostle Paul used the word mystery 21 times in his letters to the churches. And every time the mystery is something that involved a wonderful declaration of spiritual truth revealed by God. He calls it um, that what, uh, in Ephesians 3, 5, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God to the holy apostles and the prophets. He's saying in the past, like in Old Testament, they heard about a Messiah, but they couldn't figure it out. They knew a Messiah was coming. The Old Testament said nothing about churches. It's all new in the New Testament. The, the, Old, the Old Testament didn't actually talk about people living in heaven, but it was revealed to the people in the New Testament, revealed to us all this new stuff that has been hidden and mysterious for ages past. Now is revealed. And this is what mystery is about, that God, at the right time and the right moment, will reveal the truth to us. His plans are multifaceted, multi-generational, multi-layered, beyond what we can think or imagine. So we have to live by faith. Have you, and just by a show of hands, anyone here ever have your plans thwarted? Your plans gone awry? Yeah, so we started out on a vacation um, a couple summers ago to, um, I don't know, we were going to the island. And as we were getting off the ferry at Nanaimo, my engine seized. I had the, the, the bikes on the back, the kayaks on the top, all the luggage, and we had a place waiting for us. Yet my car, for three months, ended up in Nanaimo getting a new engine. Yay! And so we, we've had several opportunities in our lifetime to say, God, what are you doing? <laughs> what is up? Like we thought that this was a, the way forward. We planned for this. We prepared for this. And now it's all messed up. But that's it, happened enough in my life that I know not to worry because God came through every single time. I don't worry when my plans go awry. I get annoyed because I don't know what's next. But then God steps in and leads and guides in a direction I never would have guessed. There are lots of questions in life that we may never get answers to, like why do some people have lots of kids and others aren't able to have any? Or why do some people get diseases and die early? And others live a very long life, even though they lived a very risky, <laughs> dangerous life. Or why do some people just seem to have all the luck and success and others face one tragedy after another? I just It's a mystery. I can't explain it. I, I, people say, it's not fair. I'm going, fair isn't in the Bible. Like, it's not a word you can find. Trust is, belief is, faith is, fair, no, it's not there. It's about trusting in God that he knows what he's doing. We don't get to pick the life that we live, but we can certainly trust the one who gave us life, even if we don't understand why. Why would uh, God allow John the Baptist to be beheaded? Why would he allow the deacon Stephen to be unjustly stoned to death? Why would Paul have to spend so many years in jail and be stoned nearly to death on several occasions and spend nights at sea floating around because a boat sank? I could say it's a mystery, 
But over time, we see how God used Paul in amazing ways to bring the gospel around the world, the known world. We don't always have to know all the answers as long as we know the one who does know the answers. In Deuteronomy, strangely enough, way back in the Old Testament, chapter 29, he says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And in Colossians 2, Paul writes, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to know all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Get to know Jesus. He has them. He's got them. And he will reveal what we need to know at the right time. So mystery in a biblical sense is not unknowable items that will never be known, but are truths that are yet to be revealed. In time, why did God take us to Brookswood Church for five years? Well, two of my kids found their spouses while we were at Brookswood Church. Why did, why did he not leave us overseas in Norway? Because they wouldn't have gone to Trinity Western and found their, their, their spouses and you know, all these things that we look back and go, well, what if, or we should have, or maybe we could have. We just trust that God is directing our steps. Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. You can't guess what God's up to, or he wouldn't be God. God has revealed them to us by a spirit, for the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So, And the bottom line, the question is, do you trust him when your plans go awry? Do you trust him when you were disappointed things didn't go like you wanted them to go? Do you trust him when you face opposition or unfounded accusations, when you get taken to court out of the blue? Can you trust that God knows and sees and has a plan and a purpose in mind for allowing these things to happen? Always when something happens, you say, hey, God, what are you up to? (laughs) What's your plan? How do you want me to make a difference where you've placed me? My sister having cancer at age 16, my mom took her to radiation and chemo every week, and she said she had wonderful conversations with other mothers and people in in the waiting room as they were waiting treatment. Really encouraging times. It led some people to the Lord. How would they ever have met those people? Otherwise, my sister came through the cancer, but now her testimony continues to be a blessing to others. The key is going to be in your relationship with the Spirit. Paul didn't go to some countries because the Spirit prevented him. He went to other countries because the Spirit led him. You can't make it through this life and be a blessing to others and understand God if you don't have a relationship with the Spirit. If God's Son isn't alive and well in your life, as he says, the mystery of Christ in you. You're not going to ever understand really what God's up to because you're you're not in relationship or communicating with him. The next time your plans don't work out, check with God to see if perhaps he is actually directing your steps to something much better that he wants to accomplish through you. Um, When you look at the life of Paul, I'll just end with this. There's a a two to five year gap between his first arrest in Rome and his second arrest in Rome where he was executed. I've seen the little pit in Rome uh, that they say was the jail that housed Paul. It's just a hole in the ground with burrowed out of rocks. 
and they would drop food down there, that kind of thing. So there's a, there's a gap, and many people believe that Paul took that time between his first arrest and his second arrest to go to Spain. And perhaps he was sharing the gospel too effectively in Spain, and that's why he got arrested a second time and sent back to Rome and finally executed. So maybe he made it there. A lot of people think it did happen. The Bible is, is, doesn't say he didn't go there. It just doesn't record that he did. I kind of want to say he did, that in the end, the, the, the desire and the passion for taking the gospel to every known region. See, this is the farthest possible western outlier of Rome. I like to think he made it there too. Just pray. Father God, I pray that you would guide us into your presence daily so that when our plans get messed up, we can switch courses to your plans without missing a beat. That we can trust that you know what's going on in our life. You see our circumstances. You, you correct our pathways into areas that are better for us than we could have imagined. Father, may this church continually seek you so that we don't make a misstep, that we don't make a wrong turn, that we follow your will and your pathways and make the difference you want us to have in our community and in our, our cities. Thank you for each person that's here today, Father, and I pray blessings on them that they would seek you and be so close to you that they would know where to go, what to say, what to do, because your spirit would lead them each step of the way. Thank you for this day, and I pray in Christ's name, amen.